Welcome back to Find the Wall. I'm Alec. I'm Anusha. And before we get into today's episode, this is a reminder to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and follow us on social media. We're at Fly on the Wall Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and Fly on the Wall Podcast at gmail.com. Please email us your thoughts, comments, questions. We'd love to hear from you. Today, we're so excited to welcome Mayor Pete Buttigieg to the pod. Mayor Pete is the first openly gay mayor of South Bend, Indiana, and was previously a candidate for DNC chair. Uh, thanks so much for being on the pod. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So um, just starting out, we've never had a local elected official on our podcast. So oh, no. we're just going to start over there. <laughs> okay. um, what are the local politics of South Bend like and how do you get legislation through? Well, South Bend's a community of about 100,000 people, uh, typical of a lot of cities in the industrial Midwest. Uh, with a lot of economic challenge, but also a lot of opportunity and uh, a lot of colleges and universities nearby, including Notre Dame. Uh, so the main challenges for our city have to do with economic growth, making sure economic growth is inclusive. And a lot of the issues that cities are wrestling with right now, from uh, fair and impartial policing to uh, modern public transportation. Um, it's what's considered a strong mayor system, so in many ways it parallels a state or federal government. Uh, uh, there's a council, there's a legislative body. Uh, and I'm the executive. Um, uh, my budget, most of my major legislation has to be approved by at least five out of my now nine council members. Uh, but what's a little different from state and national politics is it's less likely to break along uh, party lines. It's not always as predictable who will be with me and who will be opposed on any given issue. And so we really have to build a fresh coalition around every new project or effort we try to do uh, in order to build support. And then uh, more than anything at the local level, you're very much held accountable for results that everybody can see. There's not much uh, tricking people about whether you effectively picked up the trash or plowed the snow, people can tell. Uh, and so there's a level of accountability that uh, I wish we had more of at the state and national level. Yeah, so do you spend a lot of time talking to constituents or is it more like talking to the city council members or how is that relationship? Yeah, one thing about the role of mayor is it's very immediate, it's very on the ground and I think if you're doing it right, then you're very accessible. And so, uh, you know, whether it's structured or not, I mean, a lot of people will find me at the grocery store in the neighborhood. By definition, you live in your city, right, if you're a mayor. Um, and so as much time as I might spend with a, a business leader or an elected official, I'm spending a lot with uh, residents who have concerns on everything from uh, the trajectory of our economy to uh, filling in a, a pothole. And you have to be responsive uh, to all of those needs if you want to be effective as a mayor. So kind of going off of that, how do you stir up interest for initiatives that you care about? Um, how do you get constituents excited about that? Well, hopefully a good initiative uh, is there because it's solving a problem that, that residents have and uh, something that uh, you know I'm not just imposing on people but uh, really drawing from my assessment of what the community needs. Now sometimes it still might be unpopular at the outset. For example, we did a big transformation of our downtown area. We reimagined the streetscapes in order to have a more thriving urban core. I really thought we'd do better if we had more of a pedestrian life and a street life, small business in the heart of the city. Uh, that inconvenienced people because it also involved slowing down traffic and so we had to build support. Uh, by engaging residents and the business community until there was enough of a constituency for this that, uh, that I could get the vote that I needed through the council. So um, moving along to the other main group of people that you'd interact with, how do you wrangle city council members? <laughs> uh, well, uh, you, get, you do a lot of listening. You know, often a good meeting is one where I don't do most of the talking. <laughs> and uh, you find that uh, sometimes there's a, a reason behind the reason. If somebody's opposing you, uh, it may be that there's some other concern or issue that, that, that you haven't addressed. And if you can resolve that, 
uh, they may be more likely to back you on this. So some of it's just you know old-fashioned uh, uh, politics. Uh, and the other thing that I think you you is true at every level of politics, but you see it more at the local level is that we're also just talking about people. There's a human factor, and whether they feel listened to and respected, whether you have shown a willingness to adjust or adapt your ideas in response to their feedback really affects whether they end up buying into what you're trying to do. So um, you represent um, South Bend, and on the urban to rural scale, how would you characterize that? Uh, certainly more urban than not, um, but we are in, in the Midwest. We're surrounded by corn and beans, but the city itself, uh, you know, is a lot of high-rise buildings and, and faces the challenges that any industrial, Midwestern, diverse, relatively low-income community would face. Um, what's compelling about it, though, is that we have a lot of different uh, uh, styles of, of, of land use and, and, and economic life, uh, even within the boundaries of our city. It's one of the things that makes the job so stimulating. So when you talk to mayors of other types of towns, like maybe more rural or more urban, um, how does the work of, and needs of those constituents differ from the constituents that you work with? Well, some things are local and some things are universal, right? So, uh, you know, a lot of the questions resolve to the same fundamentals, like uh, can you make sure that there's economic opportunity for people? Can you make sure basic services are taken care of? But the needs of every community are different, and they're shaped by that community's history, its experience, its location. Uh, and what you need to do is, is listen carefully to what a community is telling you about what it needs, and then figure out what tools you can apply. When I go to uh, events like the U.S. Conference of Mayors, for example, I find that I can compare notes with a mayor from a totally different uh, city and still find that we share a lot of the same challenges. And we can take ideas uh, from each other and, and compare notes with each other to uh, become better at our jobs. What would you say is one of your favorite um, initiatives that you've championed for your constituents? Well, one that made a big difference for us was dealing with a, a large number of vacant and abandoned houses that we had. So the, the city I grew up in was full of crumbling factories and empty houses because we had lost a lot of population when the auto factories left in the 60s. Uh, I knew that uh, the, the quality of life and even the psychology of the city wouldn't get better until we had concretely addressed that. And so we spent a year carefully assessing what was going on in the neighborhoods, understanding the conditions of the houses, and then arrived at a uh, kind of simple sounding goal, almost childlike uh, in its simplicity, which was to deal with a thousand houses in a thousand days. And uh, it was easier said than done, but setting that target kind of compelled us to muster the political will and the, the financial resources to make it happen. And in the end, we beat our goal. Once we were able to do that, it, it not only made a lot of our neighborhoods better by removing or repairing these crumbling houses that really harmed the value of a neighborhood, but it also gave the city confidence that we could take on a very difficult challenge and made it easier for us to take on the next thing. Yeah, that's great. Um, so on a completely different topic, we know that you've had forays into national politics, right. including a run for DNC chair. So what are some of the key differences that you've seen between local and national politics, getting involved in both? Well, I think national politics is unfortunately a little more removed from the everyday realities, even though it's national politics that affects us in very local and intimate ways. Uh, you know, everything from your ability to pay the bills to, um, in my case, your ability to get married. I mean, very deeply intimate personal things are affected by national policy. But national policy makers are much less likely to get stopped at the grocery store or have any of the direct in-person encounters that a local official does. And so part of what I've been concerned with is ways 
to make sure that state and national politics have more of the immediacy and more of the accountability that mayors like me face. Because I think if we did, we'd have the better national politics. And I think that's the level where it's really crying out for that kind of change. So how are these state and national officials um, able to be held more accountable for their constituents? What are some ways um, that you think that this can be changed? Well, part of it is just ensuring that people literally personally interact with uh, with residents or yeah. constituents who, who hire them, right? I mean, theoretically, we're talking about your boss. So, uh, it, you know, if a member of Congress won't have a town hall for years, uh, that's basically like avoiding your boss. Uh, and usually the sort of employee who avoids their boss isn't a very productive one. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, the, the one instrument that we do have for accountability for people at every level is, is the vote. And so the most important thing is to have voters in elections like one that's coming up to uh, hold their elected officials accountable for how responsive they are. And, um, you know, one thing about elected officials is they'll respond real quickly uh, when they think that their job is on the line. So talking about voting, um, do you find that people tend to vote more for or they care more about like their local politics or they're voting more for the national level? I think people vote most of all around things that they understand how it affects them. If you know what it means to you in your life that, uh, let's say, pre-existing condition coverage gets taken away, if you know what it'll do to your income, if tax policy changes or minimum wages change, then you're probably going to vote based on that. If those dots haven't been connected, then you may be more likely to vote based on style or affect, some of these things that I think have characterized our politics more recently, but in many ways have been actually decoupled from the ground realities that explain why politics matters. So um, we always have like to have a lightning round of questions <laughs> on right. the podcast. Um, so just you know, let us know what the first thing you think of. All right. Um, so, number one, um, what's it like having college students in your constituency? It's great. Uh, they ask great questions and uh, get involved in really exciting ways, especially around the substance of what they work on as students. So, um, with the college students, you know, we see that a lot of millennials don't vote. Um, there's been kind of, like, a move to get more millennials to start voting more recently. Um, what can be done about that, you know, representing a large yeah. college town? So much just depends on showing up. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, for us... You know, this is something I spend a lot of time with high schoolers on, actually, making sure that when, when they are old enough to vote, they know the power that comes with it and also the responsibility that comes with it. And when they do, I think we make better decisions. What's the best Catholic school in the country? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you know, i got to be loyal to my, uh, my hometown schools. But, uh, of course, we have a lot of regard for Georgetown. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and give us your best advice for a college student looking to get into politics. Well, uh... Let me say this, because I think most students who are interested in having something to do with politics will find a way to, to uh, work either as an intern or, or on a campaign or something. So I'm, I'm going to take for granted that you figure out that first step. My advice is once you do, really focus on crushing the small stuff. Because the thing that will distinguish you, let's say you're one of uh, 10 interns on a campaign or in an elected official's office, is to be really responsive and um, handle the, the things that need handling, which are not always the most glamorous things. I was home one summer helping out with a congressional campaign, and I was home from a Rhodes Scholarship and pictured myself doing policy work for the, the guy running for Congress. What they really needed was somebody to bring balloons to a parade site, and I had to learn that you know for me to make myself useful was much more important than, than uh, working on things that 
uh, kind of, uh, you know, aligned with, with what my ego told me I be, might be working on. Um, but uh, there is no age limit on having an impact. And uh, some of the most impactful young people that I've worked with uh, have still, you know, were still students uh, at the time that they came to my attention and began really making a difference, either on one of my campaigns or for our community. Well, thank you so much, Mayor Pete, for coming on our podcast today. Um, you know, we loved talking to you about local and national politics. And yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Um, we're really thankful to Mayor Pete for coming on today. But before you go, one more reminder to follow us on social media. We are at Fly on the Wall Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, Fly on the Wall Podcast at gmail.com. Please hit us up. We'd love to hear from you and we will see you next week.